Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Through Nick and Thin. The podcast where we watch every Nicolas Cage movie in chronological order so that you don't have to. I'm your host. My name is Steve. Joining me, as always, is the incomparable Hannah. Hannah, how are you doing this week? Really feeling like I shouldn't have had to watch this movie. Really? Why do you say that? Because I hated it. <laughs> it was a bad one. <laughs> Spoiler alert, this movie was bad. You can tell by the title of this podcast, we watched a movie called Army of One. And not to be confused with, I think a movie named Army of One came out last year in 2020, but... And there's also one from like 2001 or 2002 or something. Gotcha. This one is from 2016, of course, stars Nicolas Cage. As Gary Faulkner, so people who were paying attention just a mere five years ago, well, I guess the story took place about ten years ten years ago, uh, Gary Faulkner is a man who got a vision from God to capture Osama bin Laden himself. So Nicolas Cage plays this bit of a kooky character. This movie's bad. It's real bad. But... It's at least not blatantly offensive to people who died. This guy lived, so <laughs> we have that, as opposed to last week, which we did not have that. <sighs> this one was harder on Hannah. Last week, it was very hard on me. Go back and listen to USS Indianapolis. That was a bad one. But anyhow, we're going to get this podcast started off as we usually do. This time, hands-free. We got new mic stands, oh, so very it's very exciting. I just don't know what to talk about on this one i mean i have my behind the scenes stuff but Mm -hmm. like i'm super curious what you're going to go into because there's just so much to unpack here yeah there's just every choice he makes is wrong (laughs) 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 and a lot (laughs) you i mean you yourself are not wrong nick cage is wrong in many ways but you are not wrong by saying that he's wrong (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. I better not be. <laughs> so we're... how many of these now? I feel like I have a pretty good handle on what's right and what's wrong. Yeah, I think we're at almost at 80. Let oh me my see. Goodness. Yeah, next week will be our 80th episode. And we, of course, and we'll, we'll have, have done to do March two Madness bonus... too next weekend. Yeah, so we'll probably do March Madness as well. And so we'll have three bonus episodes on top of that. If you didn't so. listen to our March Madness last year... What we did was we took the best scenes from every movie that we had watched in the year before and we, well, Steve, (laughs) put them in a bracket. He seeded them, Mm -hmm. tiered them, Mm -hmm. put them up against each other, and then we talked it through and and made our decisions live on air. We sure did. Not really live because I then went back and edited all of those long silences of like oh, Hannah God. choosing between two scenes and going, hmm. I don't know. <laughs> for like a full five minutes. I'll, I'll be more decisive this time. Well, we're going to have a lot more movies this time uh-huh. to go through because it's a full year. Okay. Yeah. You're going to have a lot to edit then. I will, <laughs> but that's okay. It's a labor of love. So let's get started talking about this movie. We usually jump into some of the numbers, uh, some box office, that kind of thing, uh, ratings, rankings. What do you got for us this week? <laughs> Army of One came out in 2016, as we mentioned. Mm-hmm. It has a 5.1 out of 10 on IMDb and a 25% on Rotten Tomatoes. It seems, I think, just a touch high. I was going to say. <laughs> I, I think I think this movie is not a 25 on Rotten Tomatoes, but I think... I would say it's like a, a fifteen to twenty. Yeah, I was gonna say sixteen. Yeah, it's a very specific number, but that's that's the <laughs> look vibe at, that it gave me. Look, look I at know us. we're on the same wavelength. Look at us, eighty episodes. <laughs> Finally, we Finally, have. we have something in common. <laughs> Our time. entire relationship, we've had nothing to share this whole time. We've just been Crazy. staring at each other. <laughs> we we don't talk unless it's on mic. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long week. Man. <sighs> so many things to tell you now that we're connected well the next thing i'll tell you is how much money this movie made please because i well i can't tell you how much it made technically because i suppose how much it made would have to do with how much it spent and then the delta after that sure (laughs) however i could not find the budget i asked steve to look for the budget he could not find it so it's not that i am just inept at internet um, well, to be fair, I looked at like the first two or three links on Google. I looked on like pa- the first three pages of Google and I couldn't find it. Three pages of Google. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. But I had to do it on my phone because my uh, iPad died. Still. That's a lot. I know. 
So we couldn't find the budget. But, but it made three in the box office. It made three hundred and seventy-two G's. Maybe it made money. It yeah, no, no it didn't. So. <laughs> I'm sure Nick got paid more than three hundred and seventy-two G's. Jeez, I hope not. It actually said three hundred seventy-two dollars and one hundred and oh, three hundred seventy-two thousand dollars and three hundred seventy-two thousand one hundred ninety-four dollars. That's incredibly Very specific. specific. <laughs> <laughs> they were counting the dollars on this one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's one of those numbers that like you can divide by the average cost of a movie ticket, <laughs> movie theater ticket price, yeah, and figure and out. How, how many, many people, people saw, saw this movie so it was a limited release and i'll okay. say that um it it's a few different production companies that i've never heard of and then you see the names of the weinstein brothers right um weinstein, weinstein. yeah so the infamous harvey weinstein who right. is now currently in prison for sexual wrongdoing yeah. so he <laughs> very similar to the first paul schrader movie that we watched dying of the light when they re-edited uh, it. Oh, this was another one of those? This was another one of those. So this was directed by Larry Charles, mm-hmm. who also directed Bruno and Borat. And yes. he was like a writer for Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's like super famous in mm. like the comedy community. He's really good friends with Billy Crystal, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a very similar situation where he didn't get the final cut. The oh, Weinstein boy. bros came in at the last minute scooped it up, tried to re-edit it the best that they could, and then made it a limited release. Oh, and boy. Larry, Charles, and Nick Cage are pissed about that. <laughs> but have... Nick did promotion for this movie on, like, Dying in the Light. Okay, okay. I guess he wasn't as butthurt <laughs> right. about this one. <laughs> that does suck. I, and it's it's actually quite prompt, I guess. Is I can't really think of the word, but... Because just this past week was the Snyder Cut release mm. of the Justice League movie. So famously, Zack Snyder had, had to leave the the Justice League filming for unfortunate uh, purposes, family tragedy. But it was finished by Joss Whedon, who refilmed the entire thing. He took a four-hour movie down to two hours and made it like not... A great movie overall at least according to the critics so mm. snyder put together everything he filmed which is not what <laughs> directors usually do and stuck it up on hbo max interesting this past week how did he get permission to do that they asked him to who did like yeah. the producers yeah warner brothers and like hbo oh wow yeah because <laughs> there was a ton of fan outcry and things yeah, like that online saying release the snyder cut so i'm saying release the charles cut of yeah. army of one and that's what nick basically said right um interestingly enough i don't it's i don't know why i started that sentence that way with, but what with i the word interestingly yeah <laughs> what i felt was pretty interesting because i don't know anything about editing other than the one time that we made a little trailer. <laughs> we made a little trailer. If you go on our Instagram, at through Nick and Thin, you'll find it there. And then like some school projects. Right. I'm by no means a film editor. Mm-hmm. And apparently Larry had an inkling, a suspicion that someone was going to come swoop in at the last possible minute mm-hmm. and try and re-edit this movie. Um, so he tried to do a lot of in-camera editing where it makes oh. it more difficult for you to cut around i guess like the choices that are made with the camera work right and a lot of the scenes were super close up yeah yeah very uh, few like over the shoulder scenes where you can just cut in somebody else's dialogue if right. you really wanted to so yeah. there wasn't a lot of that so he like he was very intentional with i guess the way that he filmed it in an effort to not let the weinsteins come in at the last minute mm. and do re-editing but that didn't stop them they right. came in they did re-editing yeah and then i I'll go down to some stuff that Nick said about it. Um, he said a lot of stuff didn't make it to the final cut. So I I read an interview with him and then I watched an interview with him. And this was from the one that I watched. And oh, no, this is from the one that I read. Sorry. And he said, <laughs> thank God. Thank God you apologized. I was so worried. <laughs> and <laughs> I guess the director like asked him what his favorite scenes were. 
mm-hmm. and he starts saying, oh, like I did this scene where I stabbed someone with a spoon. And then the the guy who was, I That's... guess, interviewing him, he was like, I don't remember that scene. Yeah. And Nick was like, oh, did that one not make it to the final? So I guess he like never watched this movie. I don't He never him. watched the final. I don't blame him. He's, all... he's made so many. He's like... too busy filming like five other movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, he said apparently he stabbed someone with a spoon and then there was a carotid artery and straw incident on a plane and he said that was one of his favorite scenes to film that also we didn't see nope so i don't know what any of that's supposed to mean nope but i mean maybe if they release the charles cut release the charles cut (laughs) hashtag release the charles cut (laughs) no one wants that and then the trailer will be a black and white slow motion version of this movie with a slowed down version of hallelujah playing over top ew that's what (laughs) the snyder cut justice league trailer was no i hate that and it's almost like a jazz like slam poetry reading i heard there was a secret chord do, 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 that david played and he pleased the lord Stop. <laughs> and then I've nick cage enough. that's enough okay <laughs> <laughs> so gary faulkner is a real person oh yes this is a true story yes. steve mentioned that thought I'd mention it again because it's very unbelievable to think that this actually happened in real life. And also sometimes with these really bad movies, I forget to explain the movie appropriately in the beginning. That's okay. <laughs> did you mention that Russell Brand plays God? I don't... I think I did last week. Yeah. I don't know if I mentioned it this time around. Yeah. I think we mentioned that he was in it. I don't think we knew what mm. the movie was about last mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. Russell Brand is God. Yeah. Which is annoying. <laughs> I <Kinda laughs> doesn't like Russell Brand. I don't really care for Russell Brand. Nick does. He said that Russell and he became fast friends. He said that's he nice. called him his mate. Aw, that's nice. Because Britain. Because anyway, Britain. <laughs> because hashtag Britain. Um, anyway, Gary Faulkner, real guy, miraculously. Um, there was a CNN report in 2008 mm-hmm. that a 50-year-old from Colorado was found high in the mountains of Pakistan on the Afghan border, carrying a sword, a dagger, a pistol, night vision equipment, and a Bible. (laughs) And they quoted him as saying, I think Osama bin Laden is responsible for all the bloodshed in the world, so I want to kill him. Oh. And Gary came back after seeing that reported on CNN and said, no, no, no. I never said I wanted to kill him. Of course. I just said I wanted to capture him. That was just the drugs talking. (laughs) Hi. Yeah. Found high. Yeah. With night vision equipment. Yeah. Everything that happens in this movie, Mm -hmm. Gary did say happened. Of course, I don't believe that half of this shit actually happened. Right. Because he's insane. But everything, every single scene is something that Gary told them he did. Interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's, there wasn't a lot of like creative liberty in terms of the scenarios, just Mm. more so in like the way that it's portrayed maybe because some of the dialogue yeah because something that nick said was like this in some ways is pretty comical to think about but in other ways terrifying oh yeah and gary is super intense in real life mm. and he nick felt like he needed to really find a way to play this guy in a likable way and in a comedic <laughs> way because this is a comedy so i suppose that's why he did a voice which we have not mentioned yet no fans of g-force will be pumped <laughs> because he does the g-force voice minus the weird thing he did which with is the similar O's. to petty peggy sue voice yes similar to peggy sue it's, it's like a hybrid yeah it's more like high-pitched mm-hmm. i'm gonna put in tons of clips i don't think i want to yeah so much this movie imitate it so much <laughs> You Gary just, didn't sound like I'm just I You can just hear the life leaving Hannah's face. <laughs> I really I couldn't handle watching this movie. Yeah, it was, it was a tough it one for really you. It was really tough to watch. Uh-huh. uh-huh. They so, have clips of Gary at the end of the movie and you can tell that he yeah. didn't actually sound like that. No. Oh my god. Yeah, he didn't need to do a voice. No. Yeah. <laughs> but he did for you, us. You poor th- you are so defeated right now Um, i also realize i'm like what am i doing with my life man (laughs) to work tomorrow it's sunday night army of one the movie that'll make you ask what am i doing with my life man (laughs) 
Army of One was a U.S. Army recruiting slogan from the years 2001 to 2006. Wow, look at you just rattling off fun facts. I'm just trying to get through this. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk about Nick now. Please. Like I said, I read an interview and I watched an interview. Mm -hmm. The first interviewer asked, when did you hear Gary's story? Maybe thinking he heard it on the news news, or something. sure. And he said he had never heard of it. He had the script sent to him, and that's how he heard of it. He had dinner with Larry Charles in Las Vegas, because why wouldn't he? Of course. And Larry told Nick exactly what he wanted. Larry (laughs) said, I want you to portray this guy like this. Here's all of his personality Mm -hmm. traits, this, that, and the other thing. And Nick said, no, no, no. That's not my process. Of course. Um, That is my process, Larry. Mm. I'm really going to need to meet this guy, Gary, and sit down with him for like four or five hours and just talk it out. He's going to need to sit down on a park bench next to someone he thinks is Gary. He's actually Gary. (laughs) That's a reference from our podcast last week. (laughs) Was that last week? Yeah, USS Indianapolis. Oh, my God. Yeah. That felt like a year ago. Yeah. So he met Gary. He had a four-hour, three-hour, four-hour interview with him. And Nick said that there were a lot of challenges that he foresaw with Gary that he is really going to need to overcome as an actor. He said that... Gary is super high energy and he's a maniac and that's going to be really tough for Nick that's to so portray. Hard. That's so hard. And he Nick. said that he can't stop talking either and Nick's just a shy guy so it's yeah. going to be hard for him yeah. to like keep babbling on uh-huh. and on. Uh-huh. Um, if only he, he said he I'm really going to have to overcome it and and Gary, you know, he's 100% serious about what he's doing mm-hmm. and he's got this certain edge to him in real life that's not likable so I'm really going to have to dig deep here to make him likable. That's what Nick said. Wow. If only Nicolas Cage had experience playing these types crazy of characters. Crazy people? Yeah. Yeah. I guess he doesn't. I guess not. I've never seen him play a crazy person before. Uh, I guess fucking not. Go back and listen to... <laughs> Deadfall. Any episode of, kiss. of this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, he said that Gary is just an extreme personality. He's very committed. He's very inspired by God. So that was something that Nick really needed to tap into in order to portray him properly. Um, He said that the story itself isn't funny, which is true. I I mean, just the reported story of uh, an American man going to Pakistan seven times to try and find someone. He went seven times in real life? Seven times in real life. Oh, my God. I think he goes like seven times in the movie. I have no idea how he financed this. Right. That was super unclear in the movie and right. also unclear in real life. Right. They explain it. We'll get into it when we talk Nick Cage scene to Nick Cage scene because something really interesting happens then. Yeah. Oh. 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 In this, I think you probably heard me start laughing when I was, wa- I uh-huh. had my headphones in, like yeah, watching I, I this interview. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> You're going to die. This interviewer asked him what it was like to physically become Gary because Mm. Gary has um, a very gray beard, long gray hair. He's out of shape a little bit. Mm -hmm. So Nick said that he grew his hair out and dyed it gray. That's not his real hair. That is not at all. That's extensions. It's gotta be. There's no way that he grew his hair out. From the last movie. Like, yeah. he films these things back to back. Yeah. He wouldn't have had time. He's done, like, five movies in 2016. He's not a Chia pet. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's no. so impractical. Absolutely. It was... Who are you fucking trying to fool? Like, right. I don't understand. It was definitely a fake beard. No, and... he said that that's his beard and he dyed it gray. No way. That, that's, that what is... he, that's what he said, Steve. Clear as day, a fake beard. Um, And then he said, when people saw me in the makeup... They thought that I had aged quite a bit and I got out of shape, which I really didn't like. This is what Nick's saying. He was like, I was really hurt by that because I really am, I really need to be in shape. He was like, I really like being in shape. I like people to know that I am in shape. So I had to gain weight. I drank a lot of cider and ate a lot of cheddar cheese. <laughs> oh, he, drank, he was living in the UK at the time, probably filming something that's... else. Probably the only palatable thing in the UK. Got him. Fucking burned him. <laughs> right, right where it hurts. The, the UK's Damn. culinary scene. We have listeners in the UK. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> we was... love you guys. But but anyhow, he's probably one of those gross weirdos who puts like a slice of cheddar cheese on like apple pie. You ever heard? People do that? Oh, yeah. I mean, cheddar cheese on apples is good. Oh, so. no way. Really? Oh, man. It freaks me out. What? I don't know. 
Gouda's good on apples, too. Gouda's different. They're both, like, sharp cheeses. I don't really... I don't... I don't... Cheese chat. What's happening? Hashtag cheese chat. <laughs> you know, this segment of our podcast. Oh, yeah. Now that we've talked about some background and behind-the-scenes <laughs> info, now we get into 20 minutes of cheese. <laughs> And things that it should go on and things that it should not go on. Yeah, so Nick has a very <laughs> delicate ego. Self-image, yeah. I mean, that's the whole <laughs> we reason. Knew. He didn't take the Shrek. voice of Shrek. He would not be in financial trouble if he did that. Mm. Uh, would the movie be as good without Mike Myers? Is that what you're no, saying? No, I think he would still be in financial trouble. <laughs> he made a lot of big movies and made a lot of money and then made a lot of bad decisions. Yeah, but... Cameron Diaz doesn't work anymore. She just does Shrek. Yeah, because she probably didn't, she didn't waste all of her castles. money on castles and dinosaur skulls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't. I I don't know. That's true. She right. may have. That's, fair. Uh, that's true. I Cameron. Just, spe- just speculating. If you're listening, <laughs> write in. And then the last thing that he said was um, Rain Wilson uh, oh, yeah. is also in this movie. Mm-hmm. Dwight from The Office. Um, he said he's very nice. Oh, good. Nick said he's very nice. Oh, good. And then Wendy McClendon Covey, mm-hmm. um, she plays Rita in Bridesmaids, who's mm-hmm. the bridesmaid that's like closest with Ellie Kemper's character. Yeah, I know her from um, not Brooklyn Nine Nine, Reno Nine One One. That's oh. one of her like original big roles. Interesting. It was Reno Nine One One? She's great. She's hilarious. Yeah, she's really good. All of their scenes were improvised. Really? Yes. Between Nick and Wendy McClendon Covey. Mm-hmm. Do you know if Wendy McClendon Covey's character exists in real life? I couldn't find that. Okay. I have a feeling it was made up for the movie because I, who would love this man? I, I think you're right because the only people that would speak about Gary in some of the um, like articles I read were his like brother and sister mm. saying that he's not crazy, which he definitely is. He's definitely crazy. But... Yeah, like, because, and at the end of the movie, Nick Cage is being interviewed, Nick Cage as Gary Faulkner is being interviewed by the press, and he's like, I couldn't have done any of this without Marcy, Wendy McClendon uh, Covey's character. And I can't, and all of the scenes between the two of them, I just didn't feel a connection. Zero chemistry. Because she seems way more normal than him. Yeah. And that's the issue for me. Yes. Hmm. So we found an interview with Wendy McClendon Covey talking about this character. And from everything she's saying, it doesn't seem like she's real. Yeah, it doesn't look like it. Which makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. We're just going to say she's fake, that she's made up. Because in the interview, she says things like, Oh, I thought it would be really neat if they went to high school together. And I thought it would be really interesting if I gave her a sad backstory. Right. So it's like, that doesn't sound like she's basing it off a real person Mm -hmm. then. I, I guess I'm happy that she's not real. <laughs> <laughs> because like we said, who would be in a relationship with this it's man? It's so unrealistic. It doesn't make any sense. It sort of takes you out of the movie. It, it really does. Because it's like who... There's where, nothing yeah. charming about him. No. People are charmed by him, but not uh, the audience. No, his ultimate modus op- operandi is to capture Osama bin Laden. <laughs> right. I don't know what kind of charm that exudes. Well, I mean, this is, you know. That's on. like his only, that's his, that's it. That is his goal. Yes. Like he is very determined. All right, should we get on? <laughs> I guess so. We'll go through this movie. I I usually say Nick Cage scene by Nick Cage scene. This whole movie is Nick Cage. This whole movie is a Nick Cage scene. I don't think he, there's a single scene where he's not in it. It's, it feels like a long movie, but it's only 90 minutes. (laughs) And so I'll just sort of lay out some major story beats and I will certainly insert some, uh, some Nick Cage lines because you've got to hear the voice. You have to hear this voice. I'm, I'm sorry to any of you who were excited for us to watch this because I feel like this could be like a cult classic potentially i guess but but like this just doesn't do the same thing for us as like vampires kissing deadfall did if nick cage did 50 percent fewer movies this would be a hidden gem 
this would be like, oh, how fun. What a weird little bad movie right. that Nick was in. But he's been in like 30 bad movies in a row. We've literally yeah. seen 30 bad movies in a row with the exception of maybe Snowden. Mm-hmm. Like they've just been bad and there's no other way to put it. So when we get to the end of the podcast, like maybe we can unpack why we think it's so bad because on paper, the like kookiness of this sounds like, like right up our alley. Yeah. Something that we would really enjoy and yeah. want to talk about. But like, I'm just so ex- like I was just exhausted after watching it because it's just so much. Sorry, I'm Hannah's like getting worked up. She's getting really emotional. Like overheating. Yeah, my computer's overheating. Hannah's overheating. This room is very warm. I got sunburnt today. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to power through for you, the listening audience. So the movie opens up with Nicolas Cage on an American flag hang glider with American flag sunglasses and like an evil Knievel outfit, and he's just shouting. And there's like a Pakistani woman on the ground looking like, what the hell is that? And he's blasting like, is it Leonard Skinner? I forget what he's blasting. It doesn't matter. Some America shit. Some America shit. And so then it cuts to, I guess they say something like, it was six months earlier or some shit like that. And it cuts to Nicolas Cage, and we get a close-up of his look. And like Hannah said, he's got that long, luscious gray hair. He's got a big, shaggy gray beard. He's wearing just really dirty, ratty clothes, and he's sleeping at a construction site. And so we quickly learn that he's a handyman, you know. Like an unemployed handyman. Unemployed construction worker. And... He is sleeping on one of the job sites. He's like sleeping in one of these unfinished homes and he answers his phone. And this is where we get a real taste for his voice in this movie. Yeah. Hey, Gary, Pickles. Pickles! Wow! What's up, man? I'm glad you called. I need a place to crash and I crash at the job Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Jesus. <laughs> So that doesn't go away. There's maybe one moment later that I don't remember. I didn't write it down. But Hannah was like, he didn't do the voice. Oh, my God, he didn't do it. Yeah. And she got really excited for a minute. It's just like any of these movies that he does this voice in, he's never been the main character. So I'm able to tolerate it in small doses. But I think because Mm. like and just immediately like him saying that. And I'm like, fuck, he's playing the main character. I'm going to have to listen to this for the next 90 minutes, aren't yeah. I? Yeah, for sure. And we did. And we did. And we did. And I'm going to talk about it now. And we're going to talk about it now. And I think the next scene, I so I probably won't insert. I have so many lines highlighted in my notebook about him shouting. He because so he, fast and so much. He just says it. Just, and he shouts everything too and that's the problem so that's why it's going to be really hard to pick like a best scream scream. so i'm not going to insert everything i don't think but he does shout about bin laden at some point they're botching up the plan to get bin laden i know i'm a leo but it's easier for a mouse to get into a castle than it is for a lion i'd go in there and i boost that fucker right out from underneath their nose but the next scene of note i think is when he first sees wendy mcclendon covey so like i said mm-hmm. earlier they went to high school together they had a crush on each other in high school even though she's super normal and he's super weird and they immediately hit it off wendy mcclendon covey has this sad backstory she's taking care of her uh, handicapped niece and nick cage ends this conversation with the following line hey listen do you want to get an ice cream sundae with me tonight and Hannah immediately goes, no. Well, hold on, I wrote it down. She says, and I quote, no, I hated that. <laughs> that was <laughs> Hannah's just guttural reaction was, no, I hate it. Like, she answered for Wendy McClendon Covey, but Wendy McClendon Covey, of course, is for some reason She's into like, this oh, man. yes, of course. And that's why this guy's gotta be fake. So anyhow, they established earlier in the movie that throughout his entire life, Gary Faulkner had been talking to God, who is a British man, played by Russell Brand, as we mentioned. But it's at this point in the movie where Russell Brand shows up, manifests himself to Nicolas Cage, and I believe at first the dialysis clinic, so that's another thing I don't think we've mentioned, is Mm -hmm. that 
I don't know. He's like a failing kidney. Yeah, he's got he's got kidney he's got diabetes, so he's got diabetic nephropathy, as they call it. And so his kidneys are failing because he's diabetic. So he has to go to dialysis three days a week and he has to sit in a chair, essentially, for like three to four hours at a time. And usually this is a really emotionally and physically draining experience for patients on dialysis. I know a lot about this science. Don't worry about it. But but Nick Cage, at least his character, is just amped up every time he goes to dialysis. And so he sees God at this point in dialysis where God tells him that he alone has to go to Pakistan to capture Bin Laden, and then we're off and running. So now mm-hmm. Nick Cage has to make several trips to Pakistan First thing because he's going to he do. Because he felt God in this Chili's tonight. Yeah, I feel God in this Chili's tonight. Nice office reference. Rain, well, Rain Wilson. Wilson is yeah. in this movie. Exactly. So he first thing he does is he decides to take what little money he has to Las Vegas because Nick Cage can't stay away from Las Vegas. And he takes <laughs> he takes his two buddies, uh, Will Sasso and Paul she- uh, Shear or Shreer. Um, Shire? I think it's Shear. S-C-H-E-E-R. He's from uh, the league and a bunch of stuff. Yeah, he's I've one of those guys before. that you, you you know him if you see him, but he's a great comedian. And so, and so is Will Sasso. So he takes his buddies to the casino. He's wearing sunglasses indoors, which is fantastic, and a Hawaiian shirt. So just real quality look here. I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, he's done that before. Sure, but he goes on this rampage he is winning he is just he says he's got god on his side he's winning every game roulette blackjack he's winning it all and then he's stumbling his way back to his hotel room runs into colombian drug lords mexican drug lords they beat him up tell him to stay out of pakistan nick cage wakes up in his hotel room and screams And so he thinks the Colombian stole all of his money, and his friends go, no, man, you didn't win a single game last night. So we go to the doctor's office. Yeah, so, so right well, off the bat... Well, it's going to be established. Well, right off yeah. the bat, it's pretty obvious that Gary is not a reliable narrator. Yes, yes. So, so like Hannah said earlier, like all of this stuff... He ac- says happens. So he says... It, like, but remember, stole his money, he but. says that he went to Pakistan seven times, and I guess that can be proven because yeah, you can get a record of his plane tickets yeah. and like visas that he applied for. Yeah. But you also have to remember that he's on dialysis three times a week. Right. So it's just wildly impractical. Oh, absolutely. That he would be able to do any of this stuff. And especially because, you know, and again, I, I maybe I shouldn't know the actual logistics of this, but. He meets his doc with his doctor in the next scene, and his doctor says, "You gotta be, you gotta be going to dialysis because if you don't, you're you're gonna start hallucinating." Is what he said. So we're, immediately we're like, "Oh, okay. Everything we see is either made up because either a he's on drugs or b yeah. he's hallucinating from the dialysis." And then we were really worried that it was like gonna be it was all a dream. Yeah, the whole thing was a dream the whole time. <laughs> the doctor, by the way, is played by Matthew Modine. So those it was two. Birdie. Yeah, they reconnected after Birdie. This is the only other movie that they've been in together. Really? Oh, I wonder if they're like still friends. They had good chemistry they, in this I scene. I think they are. Yeah. So Hannah brought up a good point earlier about how, how is, did he finance this how trip? Did, how did he finance the trip? He tells his plan of capturing Osama bin Laden to his doctor. And his plan currently is to buy, sail. a, buy a sailboat and sail to Pakistan. Sail from San Diego uh-huh. to Pakistan. Pakistan. And Which is the doctor a says, very long trip. So because <laughs> you have to go like around, like continents. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's infeasible. There's like Malaysia and shit that you have to navigate. Malaysia and shit. <laughs> <laughs> There's like the Philippines and stuff down there. I'm aware. <laughs> All that Indonesia, and yeah, whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> So he tells the doctor, hey, I know you love donating to charity. Will you donate to my charity of me capturing Osama bin Laden? And he often says, you know, I'm going to go capture Osama bin Laden for justice and stuff. And keep in mind, he's doing this high-pitched squeaky... For justice and stuff. For justice and stuff. (laughs) And Matthew Modine's immediately like, no, what's what's this really for? And he goes, well, I want to buy my girlfriend a wedding ring. And Matthew Modine goes, okay. 
and gives what him money. doctor has ever? What the hell? $1,400, right? Is that, was it stated? Oh, no, that's the stimulus. I was like, why do I have $1,400 in my brain? <laughs> it's that stimmy. <laughs> it's that stimmy. <laughs> Gotta spend it on a boat, go sail to Pakistan. Hell yeah. Yeah. So, Nick Cage, of course, he buys a boat, a really crappy boat. He goes out to sea, does a loop at sea, ends up on the shores of either Mexico or San Diego or something like that, somewhere in Southern California or or Northern Mexico. (laughs) And so, he ends up back at Wendy McClendon Covey's house. They kiss you. Also, like, he, there, there must be so much time that passes in between each scene. Yeah. Because he had to fly, like, he has gone to Vegas from Colorado, which that's not that far. Right. But he very likely had to fly from wherever he is in Colorado to San Diego mm-hmm. and then gets on this boat and then f- probably for, like, a day is just, out like, at out yeah. at sea spinning in circles. Yeah. And then has to come back from San Diego to Colorado. And then you have to remember that he goes to Pakistan seven times. Yeah, for a long amount of time. For a long amount of time each time. Yeah. So it's like, how many years pass? Well, actually, didn't this start in 2004? And then Osama bin Laden was was killed in... the Obama era. Yeah. I don't remember exactly when. Yeah. But yeah, so over the course of several years, he probably did this stuff. Gary. Oh my God. I know. So anyhow... He's back at Wendy McClendon Covey's house. But he spent... That's what I don't get. Sorry. He spent that money on, on the, the boat. boat. Right. So how does he have any money for anything else? I don't know. He crashed the boat. It's not yeah. like he could sell it. No. No. Yeah, I don't know. It makes no sense. doesn't. It does not. So he's back at Wendy McClendon Covey's house and has a and new plan. Kissing. Yeah. Oh, they're kissing. It's so gross. gross. It's real gross. Poor girl. But... <laughs> They have a new plan, or he has a new plan. And she's so on board with this whole plan. She's like, oh, I get it. God told you to do it. It's totally fine. What? Like, what? What? But the new plan How is... supporting this? He's going to fly to Israel, climb up to the top of a mountain with a hang glider, and fly into Pakistan. I'm looking at a map. <laughs> While Hannah's looking it up on a map, he buys a hang glider there's a great bit of physical comedy him trying physical comedy where he knocks over a bunch of like canoes at a sporting goods store and he has this really awkward conversation with the guy about what kind of music he should play on the hang glider nowhere near each other let me see that's huge it's like hundreds of miles it's like thousands of miles Is it thousands yeah that's like the length of the united states yeah that's hilarious like, he didn't even look up geography before he left. I, I was wondering why he thought that he could do that. Because I'm like, I know that I know that Pakistan doesn't border Israel. Gotcha. But I wasn't sure how far it was. But there's, like, entire country of Saudi Arabia, which is <laughs> gigantic in between. Yeah. I just forgot about Saudi Arabia. But anyway, and, it's all for naught. Because it doesn't end up working, of course. Because he can't get a hang glider... In, in a piece in a of suitcase. luggage so he has to cut it into pieces and also i don't wait, does this happen yeah yeah the so, samurai sword yeah so he has another vision from god and god appears on like qvc and tells him that he has to buy a samurai sword so he buys a samurai sword and he has a great scream at the receptionist at the airport about getting his samurai sword on the plane she's not a receptionist she just works for the airline whatever you know what i mean <laughs> the front desk person <laughs> yeah yeah so he screams at her listen you don't understand i need this sword to do what i have to do are you trying to get me killed by al-qaeda is that is that what you want no i want you to realize that you cannot take a sword onto an airplane can't if there were people like me doing things that people like you told us that we couldn't do then nothing great would ever get done and america wouldn't be awesome I and mean, let me tell you something lady we may have our flaws but America is awesome. You cannot carry the sword onto the plane. Tell that to George Washington. And that's the whole thing. He 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 always screams about how great America is, which is which makes sense great. for a character like this to scream. Yeah. If he's going to scream anything, you would think that someone with this type of motivation would likely scream about how great America is. Yeah. So he makes it to Israel, I guess. 
Hang Glider breaks. He breaks a whole bunch of bones. Flies back to the U.S. Stay, staying with Wendy McClendon Covey. Why? Now, now he's got a new plan. And now his plan is he's just going to go to the visa office and get himself a, a travel visa so that he can just go straight to Pakistan. He goes yeah, he to didn't the, need one for Israel, which is why he went. Yeah. He just goes to the visa office. And just gets one. He just gets one. Not before screaming the following. Well, do you believe in God and America and justice and freedom and just doing what's right? So that's him appealing to the guy to be like, give me a visa. And the guy's... Because he's, he's straight up with the guy. Yeah. He says, yeah, I'm going to capture Osama bin Laden. And the guy's like, no, you're fucking with me. Why actually are right. you going? And he was like, for God and for justice, justice and for America. Stuff. Yeah, justice and stuff. So he makes it to Pakistan. And he's just immediately connecting with people. He does a shopping montage. He like has to see a dentist at some point. He's smoking tons of weed. He's there for like 30 days. Or he, opium or something. Something like that. Doing. Someone steals his money. He sees God all the time again. And, and he like gets in a, in a van with God. <laughs> yeah. He then is getting kicked out of Pakistan. The mm-hmm. CIA ca- essentially captures him, and, and one of those CIA guys is Rain Wilson, so that's where Rain Wilson comes up. They capture Nick Cage and say, you can't be here, you actually botched one of our ongoing investigations. So they're about to kick him out of Pakistan, and he says, let me go get my things from the hotel, I guess I have to leave, and I'll have to find another way to get Osama bin Laden. Remember, this movie's about him capturing Osama bin Laden. <laughs> and he, as he's getting his stuff from the hotel, someone from a nearby rooftop fires shots at the security guard of the hotel that he's staying at. So he thinks that it's for him and because he's getting too close to Osama bin Laden. So he <laughs> he doesn't leave even though the CIA asked him to leave. And so he starts he running on the rooftops. He knows he's on his tail. Yeah, so he starts running on the rooftops and does more physical comedy, like falling through awnings and being like, ah, jeez, oh my gosh, he's tripping it's over very, himself. like Aladdin. It is very, it's like a doofus Aladdin. <laughs> yeah. Aladdin was like competent. What's that song in the beginning of Aladdin that he sings when he's doing that? Uh, one step yeah. ahead of the something. That may as well be playing when he's doing the shit. Yeah, but it's like he's falling over like Chris Farley in an SNL skit. And it's not funny. And he's not in shape. No. Because all he ate was cheddar cheese. Oh, cheddar cheese and cider. And cider. So <laughs> th- this is where he, he, he starts chasing the people who shot after him, thinking that that's going to lead him to Osama bin Laden. And he loses track of them on some hill, and he passes out in the fire. And this is where we pick him up, essentially, in real life, where he was apparently on drugs, passed out. In the, where was he when when Gary Faulkner was found in real life? You mentioned just it earlier. at like the border, but at, at the, the Afghan border. Yeah, so he's just at the border. He passes out, and that's where he gets picked up. And while he's passed out, this is where it goes back to the beginning. We see that first scene of him hang gliding. So it was a dream. So we see that again. But then he hang glides his way to the cave that Osama bin Laden is in. And it's, of course, an actor playing, portraying Osama yeah. bin Laden. And so... They're sitting there with two they're, dialysis they're machines. They're both hooked up to dialysis machines. <laughs> Nick Cage immediately starts yelling at him in his stupid voice. This is where you live? This shithole? What happened to the place I saw on TV? What the place was that, Kenny? Your crib, man! Don't you watch TV? You had all those photos with the terrorists, your own customized pinball machine? This movie is just so wild. It's... Like, I feel like we're explaining it oh, we're better. Expi- yeah, no, we're explaining it. It's like, ooh, this, this sounds fun. But yeah, it's just so... It's not. So not. It was a chore to watch this movie. It really was. Nick Cage laughs at Osama bin Laden he burps at him and then they both remove the 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 dialysis the, the dialysis machines from their arms and the make a mad dash thing. make a mad dash the IVs yes yeah. they make a mad dash to their respective samurai swords you know and they have a sword fight in this cave as you do 
because it's all like his hot, his drug induced hopped up dream that he's having. Yes. And so he wakes up in a hospital with the CIA guys and he starts yelling at them like, "Where did where's Osama bin Laden?" Where's Osama? What about the cave? Mr. Faulkner, there are millions of caves in Pakistan. I don't think you were in a cave. Even if you were in a cave, we wouldn't be able to identify which cave you were in. You let him go! You know what? You're frustrated. We're all frustrated, Mr. Faulkner. You did not have him. You never had him. You never had Never had OBL. You let him go. But yeah, he makes his way back to Wendy McClendon Covey's house. You know, I guess time has passed because he can't get back to Pakistan after yeah. all that. Finds out that Osama bin Laden was killed, but buried at sea. And so he doesn't really believe it. He starts crying. And then Wendy McClendon Covey tells him, hey, I hope you don't mind while you were away in Pakistan. I told, the, I told a radio program about you. Now everybody wants to talk to you. So now he's being interviewed by a whole bunch of people. And then there's a bit where Nick Cage playing Gary Faulkner is sitting at a bar looking just at the camera and saying, you know, I think they're going to make a movie about me. Um, they said so-and-so is going to play me. They said so-and-so is going to play me. But they said that ultimately they think Nick Cage is going to play me. You remember Nick Cage, you know, from Con Air. I like Nick Cage. I think I look like Nick Cage. It just got super Whoa. meta. <laughs> like, that's okay to do in some comedies. Not in this one. But you have to earn it, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, Dodgeball is one of my all-time favorite movies. And at the end of the movie, it makes no sense that they just bring out this big chest of money at the end. Like, oh, I invested it. And it's like, it makes no sense. But they earned that stupid ending. Yeah. And, like, getting meta because they write deus ex machina on the chest of money, which means, like, an ending that comes out of nowhere. It's a literary term. So, like, they earned that meta reference because it's a funny movie throughout. This movie does not earn the meta reference at the end. <laughs> anyway, as you mentioned, they end the movie with real footage, as we did last week. End it with real footage, but this but it's time... it's Gary Faulkner. It's real Gary Faulkner, and he no doesn't... voice. He doesn't have the voice. It's very disappointing that we watch 90 minutes of Nick Cage being that annoying, as you've heard several so times annoying. this evening. <laughs> But, uh, yeah. Yeah, and if you were it. a supporting character with that voice, I probably would have thought differently. Sure. Of this movie. Sure. Because he's done weird voices before mm-hmm. as supporting characters, and mm-hmm. I've been 100% here for it. Mm-hmm. Not in this case. No. I was very irritated by it. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. Any other closing thoughts? Is there any other? Is there anything else that... You said you wanted to pick apart why we hated this so much. Well, all I keep thinking about is, like... That Paul Schrader movie, how they were so pissed about the way that it was edited. And like, mm. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I don't really think that for that movie, Dying in the Light, that I would have liked it that much better if they yeah. edited it differently. Same with this. I don't think that, I don't think that the <laughs> editing was the problem. Yeah, I don't know, though. I feel like there were some comedic moments that maybe could have been elevated by better editing, but we'll never know. I, I but I do think so you're hard. right about Dying of the Light. Because I think comedy relies more on sharp editing. That's fair. That's fair. But. I think that they were successful in the fact that they made it a comedy. That it was like a situational mm, comedy. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, it could be a sad movie. Incredibly. Yeah. A comedy of. Errors. Errors. Is that what that's called? <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I. I think like his relationship with Wendy McLendon Covey was just so unrealistic. Yeah. And that took me out of it. And it wasn't needed for the movie, I don't think. I think it made him more likable. Yeah. Okay. I guess. It made him more human. Yeah, I guess. Because everything else about him is not human because his only motivation is godly, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I thought Russell Brand was fine as God. He yeah. didn't bother me. Well, Russell Brand is one of those comedians who just has that meteoric rise and fall. Like you see it with like um, Amy Schumer had like two good movies and then mm-hmm. like five bad movies in a yeah. row. Kevin Hart had like a Dane few good Cook. movies. Dane Cook had a few good movies and then five bad movies in a row. Like it's just it Adam happens. Sandler. <laughs> well, Adam Sandler, that's you know, a different story. He comes but... and he fluctuates. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. <sighs> 
Any other closing thoughts? Anything else on your mind before we get into some Nick Cage awards? No, I. I I'm sorry. Like I'm sorry to disappoint if you were excited to hear about this one because it on paper, like I said, this seems like something we would like, but yeah. It was it was just it was just too much. It was it was a lot. It was, it was a lot. lot to handle. It was a lot. Like I said, it wasn't funny enough to make us really interested in it. And so And it wasn't like bad enough either. Right. Right. Where like deadfall yeah. where we could just laugh at it the right, whole time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like well. it was everything about it was very intentional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it I didn't like the their worst. intentions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are your intentions with my Nick Cage? <laughs> Not great ones, apparently. Not good. All right, let's do some awards. Best Supporting Actor. Wendy McClendon Covey? Sure. Everything was uh, improvised, which I think is impressive. impressive. Yeah. Um, You usually give it to like a dog or like a kid or a baby or an inanimate object. Okay. Uh, Best Dress. I mean, should I give it to the real Gary Faulkner? (laughs) No, probably not. (laughs) Should I give it to... Nick Cage <laughs> talking about himself. <laughs> no, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, like Wendy makes sense. Okay. Best dressed. Probably the evil Knievel suit. Ooh, and the hang glider. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. It's a look. That is fantastic. It's a sight. Yes, it's a, it's a sight, man. Uh, worst Nick Cage scene. I glossed over a ton of scenes. Yeah. Oh, you hated... The original conversation between him and Wendy McClendon Covey when he asks, oh, when he asks her for ice cream. Ice cream, yeah, yeah, no. But after knowing that that was all improv, I feel a little bit different about it. Okay. Hmm. Ooh, I did forget to mention something that I wanted to mention, which was at the doctor's office. After the doctor <laughs> leaves the office, he says, "All right, I'll give you some money. Let me get my checkbook." And Nick Cage puts out his left hand, palm up takes his right hand, and oh, very yes. quickly smacks his forehead, smacks his hand. Smacks his forehead, smacks his hand. So it's... Yeah, I remember that. Out of nowhere. Uh, he cry. He's crazy. So anyway, there know. was that scene. Maybe... Ugh, man, there's so much. There's so much. This one, too, also doesn't have to be anything in You could say, like, the no, first like, half I'm of the movie like, I thought that the scene where he bought the... Hang glider was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. I thought the scene when he bought the sh- boat was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. So maybe I will just give it to that first scene with Wendy McClendon when, Covey. Yeah, because you hated it so much. I just really hated it. Yeah. And also it's part of a larger scene where he's just walking through Home Depot or oh, Lowe's yeah. or something and he's telling and, like, people just, to buy American. Yeah. That's really just fine. Yeah. We've already established that he's a patriot. We don't need for this. justice and stuff. For justice and stuff. <laughs> oh God! All right, Han. Best Nick Cage scene. Oh my God! There's a lot of contenders in this one. It's probably Evil Knievel. Right in the beginning, more so than maybe the sword fight. Or... Oh, with Osama bin Laden. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like that scene should be the most iconic scene in the movie, but for some reason, it's not. Mm-mm. Evil Knievel's more iconic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just looking through my notes here at things I highlighted, and I think you're right. I think that's one of the the better scenes. I do like I do like the scene when he buys the hang glider. The hang glider. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really good scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can play some clips from that. So that it's like he has some pretty funny banter back and forth with the cashier. I I'll give it to, I'll give it to Evil Knievel. Okay. It's more iconic. It is more iconic. Mm -hmm. But add add like a short clip from that if you can. If you don't, I I will forgive you. You work here? Yeah. Okay, listen. I'm looking to buy a hang glider. Okay. Because I'm going to hang glide from a mountain in Israel. Okay. Pakistan. Because I got to capture Osama bin Laden and pull him right out of his cave. Quite the adventure. That's right. But I need a hang glider. Well, the Northwing, uh, she's a sweet, sweet bird. I like that. Sounds good. Sweet bird is what I like. Now. It's going to take a boombox, hang it, dangle it from the hang glider, listen to music to inspire me, to motivate me for my mission. What sort of music would you suggest 
would be the best music to hang glide to. Okay, well, I, I wouldn't hang a boombox from the wing because you're going to throw off your, uh, your balance. Hey, you got to spare me the physics lesson and just answer the question. Okay, uh, so you're, you're looking for some, like, pump-up inspirational kind of? That's right. Tom Petty? Stupidest thing I've ever heard. Okay. okay? Now, listen, if I was going to cut that up, into pieces because I got to get into my luggage to get over to Israel. How many pieces would I cut into? Three, four, five? But the, the thing about a uh, hang glider is it, it's it's all uh, one piece. Uh, you, you can't cut it up. Son, I can do anything. I am Gary Faulkner. I am the Donkey King. <gasps> it's a good scene. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so best nick cage scream is our next award it's probably the colombians <laughs> the colombians took my money that was a good one there were some like i said he yells everything he yells every single thing that he says he does at one point like i said i think he has to go to a dentist yeah, in I was pakistan just thinking that and he screams he screams because he's like getting his tooth yeah but it's but not... that's a justified scream that's it's, true i think like him waking up in a cold sweat saying that the colombians took my money is probably the best scream in the movie yeah that's pretty good <laughs> with the exception of like everything that he screams in the evil can evil thing right 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 yeah but that's just like a series of screams so like uh, i'll give it to the colombians took my money <laughs> okay <laughs> or whatever the line is <laughs> yeah and finally, Han, nouveau shamanic. the most nouveau shamanic moment. It's either the fact that he gave this character a voice and didn't actually need to, or yeah. it's what Steve just explained where the he hits slap. his forehead and then yeah. claps. I think it's got to go to the voice. Yeah. There's no reason that he needs to have this voice. Yeah. And he never, he doesn't even mention it in any of the interviews that I. That's crazy. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> All right, Had, last question for you. Where are we ranking this one? Now, I was pretty adamant about putting last week's episode in the bottom five. So if you want to also no, put this one in like, the bottom five, then that's fine. This is, I mean, this is a crazy character. Like, this is so yeah. cagey. Yeah. I just hated it. <laughs> so I'm having a hard time deciding where this should rank. Okay. Peggy Sue got married above or below because he does a voice although he's yeah. not the star, but he does a voice. Yeah. You didn't like that movie similarly, but he was cagey. Above. Above Peggy Sue. Well, be below, like, in numbers. Right, right, right. Okay, yeah, so so better than Peggy Sue. I, no, like, not better, but, like, his, like, We're this character it. is more iconic yes. than his character in Peggy Sue. Okay. Another one, that movie we did not like for various reasons, but he does a voice, is G-Force, which is above Peggy Sue. It is? Yes. Only a few. Okay above okay let's let's keep going here let's look where's never on tuesday Ooh, uh that is never on tuesday is below peggy sue oh that's a mistake <laughs> what's well, because he's not in it yeah okay what's like above g-force uh right above g-force we've got doggy dog the Supre the sorcerer's apprentice mm. stolen moonstruck sunny trapped in paradise valley girl I'm fine with just putting it right above G-Force. And below Dog Eat Dog. That Do was the one. Do you remember what that one is? Yeah, it was with Willem Dafoe. Oh, yeah. And that random guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I like that good. one. Yeah. yeah, all right. Yeah, put it between those. Fair enough. Do you think that makes sense? Yeah, I think so. I'm cool with that. Yeah. Puts it kind of in the middle. And it's funny because I feel like... If you remember, Nick Cage didn't was originally offered Willem Dafoe's role, which was a crazy person, and he said <laughs> that like he didn't want to do that because it would be too easy for him, and he wanted more of a challenge by playing someone not crazy, and then now he's saying for this one that it would be too challenging because he's so crazy. So like Nick doesn't even know what he wants. So I think it makes sense to put it there because yeah. it's the same voice as G Force, <laughs> and then a similar level of crazy as. Willem Dafoe's character. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I like right? That Do you I, like that justification? Yeah, I like it. I just, you know, I like to hear your voice. So That's very nice. <laughs> we've gone a little long on this one, but it's okay. Next There's week. There's a lot to unpack there. There really is a lot to unpack with this one. Next week, Han, we're watching a movie. Oh yeah, you told me that you were gonna I I this is news for me. Uh -huh. Steve isn't just <clears throat> excuse me. Steve isn't just playing this up. No. And as you can tell, Hannah gets very emotional, emotional about this. 
Um, it's a movie called Arsenal. Do you recall anything about Arsenal? No. It has a whopping 3% on Rotten Tomatoes, and Nick Cage revitalizes his character from Deadfall. Oh my god. Yeah. No. Yeah. And I don't think he's in it for more than a scene. Okay, so are we going to include that in our March Madness? No, I think Army of One will probably be our last one. We'll probably do March Madness sometime this week. Okay. Whoa. Yeah. So look forward to a March Madness episode and Arsenal next weekend. Maybe like Wednesday or Thursday we can record. Yeah, and then publish it out uh, on Thursday or Friday, and then we'll have one turning around on Sunday. Sunday, yeah. Or Monday. Or Tuesday. Fuck it. Wednesday. You're not my boss. Maybe Thursday. Maybe. No, not that late. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Well, that's it. Anything else before we get out of here? No. I'm I'm glad this one's over. (laughs) This is a weight lifted off my chest. Thank God. And it's a weight lifted off of your chest as well. Because just remember, always remember, we're here for you. Through Nick and Thin. Thanks for listening, guys. Take care. Now.